Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen of Calvary Chapel Pearland. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. There's a guy, a prophet, that was sent to warn Jeroboam to stop worshiping false gods. And after he got done warning him, the Lord told the prophet, he says, you come straight home. You don't, you hang around, you get out of there. But the prophet hung around. He hung around with somebody. And so the Lord judged him with what? The same thing. A lion attack. This lion got him. The same thing that we see here in chapter 20. So you're probably wondering, but but why, though, did the Lord do this? I still don't get it. Again, something to remember from chapter 13 was that the Lord's warning from the prophet to Jeroboam was on a national scale. This affected the entire nation of Israel, all the people. And so any disobedience done by the prophet on such a nationally publicized message, it was such a big, giant scale with so much people, so many people watching that any disobedience from the prophet had to be judged on a large scale too. Every time I see the Set for Life logo, I recently had a sign made that had a big Set for Life logo on it. I'm telling you, this logo scares me because it shows a radio tower broadcasting a message out and Set for Life is around the world. That's a big, big audience. That's a grand, large scale. And the reason it scares me is because my obedience is very accountable to the big scale that if I mess up, it's going to be a big judgment. I mean, if you're still not following this, I want you to understand that Jesus Christ died for the sins of the world. That's a big, grand scale with a lot of people. And so the punishment that he had to take was was huge. It was not done in, in private. It was done publicly. It was extreme. It was a crucifixion. And they did it on top of a hill where everybody could see it. It was a grand scale. Therefore, the punishment, the judgment had to be big as well. And so God was trying to get King Ahab to repent. His repentance would affect the entire nation of Israel to turn back to. And so the punishment for such a huge scale as this had to be met with a harsh judgment. And again, think of the crucifixion. It was very severe. It was very public because he died for a big, big scale for the sins of the world. Not only was God just working on Ahab on an individual basis, but Ahab would affect all of Israel on a national scale. So the man's refusal to strike the prophet, although it was an odd request, it was an act of rebellion against the Lord on a big scale. And he paid for it. Christian, I'm going to tell you. When the Lord tells you to do something, you better follow through. 1 Kings 20 and 37. And he found another man and said, Strike me, please. So the man struck him, inflicting a wound. 
Then the prophet departed and waited for the king by the road, and disguised himself with a bandage over his eyes. Now as the king passed by, he cried out to the king and said, Your servant went out into the midst of the battle, and there a man came over and brought a man to me, and said, Guard this man. If by any means he is missing, your life shall be for his life, or else you shall pay a talent of silver. While your servant was busy here and there, he was gone. Then the king of Israel said to him, Well, so shall your judgment be. You yourself have decided it. And he hastened to take the bandage away from his eyes. And the king of Israel recognized him as one of the prophets. Then he said to him, Thus says the Lord, Because you have let slip out of your hand a man whom I appointed to utter destruction, therefore your life shall go for his life and your people for his people. So the king of Israel went to his house, sullen and displeased, and came to Samaria. Okay, so finally a prophet found somebody that was willing to hit him so that he could draw King Ahab into this big illustration from the Lord. The prophet needed blood flowing down his face or something. He needed to look like he was in a fight, okay? So the prophet orchestrated this entire exercise here to get the king to step outside of his box to take a look back at himself to see his own guilt from an external perspective. So what the picture was, that if a soldier in battle had to pay for negligence, okay, we were in battle, I had this enemy guy here, and I let him go, and you know he got past me or whatever, and if the punishment was that, he would have to pay for it with his life or with a talent of silver. And the king was going to say, yeah, you know what? You should pay for that. That's pretty lazy on your part to let that guy go. You should pay for that. Well, then it's a shame that the prophet had to go through such extreme measures as this to get the king to see the same thing about himself. Remember, King Ahab let Ben-Hadad go. Oh, you're my brother. Let's make a treaty. We'll be friends. God said, "Uh uh-uh, you need to tend to this guy. You take care of him and do what I told you to do with him. But he was negligent, and he let Ben-Hadad go. So now the king was put in a position to look at this soldier. No, you should have lived up to what you were supposed to do. Yeah, you should pay for it with your life or a talent of, or a talent of silver. Yep, that's your own judgment. You decided it. And then he ripped the bandage off his eyes. It's like, hey, dude, I'm a prophet. You got to step up to the same judgment that you said I should be doing too. That's how he got the king to step outside of his box and look at himself. Now, again, this is kind of a weird story. I get it. I want us to remember what Nathan, the prophet, had to do in order to get David to see his own guilt. He made David step outside of his box, too. Remember, David tried to cover up his adultery with Bathsheba by purposely having Uriah killed in battle, in a battle that David designed specifically for killing him off, because he was going to try to, if I could shut Uriah up, then maybe I can get away with my adultery that I did with his wife. So the prophet Nathan was sent by God, and he told David a story about a rich man that stole someone's beloved little pet to kill it and make a sacrifice out of it. You don't steal somebody's pet and kill it, okay? So David got infuriated, and he demanded that punishment be put on whoever this man was. And so Nathan said, you are the man I'm talking about here. 
because he stole Uriah away from Bathsheba and killed him. This was a story that it took to get David out of his box so that he could see his own guilt. So the prophet here in 1 Kings 20, he pretty much applied the same technique that Nathan did to get this king, Ahab, to see what he had done wrong. He posed as a man that was guilty of negligence to get Ahab outside of his box so that he could see his own guilt for the negligence he had with Ben-Hadad. So, if Ahab would pronounce judgment on someone else's negligence of letting a prisoner go free, then Ahab was just as guilty for the negligence of letting Ben-Hadad go free. Ahab is now in trouble. So, in review of this chapter, we saw that the Lord sent Ahab a prophet. Ahab was a worshiper of Baal, not a good guy. And you're thinking, well, he did not deserve to be sent anyone by God. He didn't deserve it. He's a bad guy. Well, guess what? We didn't deserve to be sent anyone from God either. 1 John 4, 9 says, God has sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. So you're thinking Ahab did not deserve the prophet's help, but God sent him anyway. Friends, you and I, we don't deserve Jesus' help, but Father God sent him anyway. Aren't you glad? (laughs) And I really hope that today's message will help us all to step outside of our own box so that we can get a good look at our own guilt, that we are sinners. We are not good people, friends. We are sinners. We broke God's law, and just like Ahab, that has put us into an impossible position that was going to destroy everything we had. Remember, Ben-Hadad said, I'm taking your wives, taking your children. I'm going to take your gold and your silver. I'm taking all you got. Friends, we sinned. We broke God's law. And the penalty for that was that we were going to lose everything we had. But just like how the Lord sent Ahab a way out, he gave him a strategy. Do this. Here's what you do. When Ahab could not make a way out on his own, The Lord sent him a way out. And friends, the Lord also sent us a way out. He told us who and he told us how because you could never make your own way out of your death penalty of sin. You could never make a way out on your own. Job 33 and 28 says, He has redeemed my soul from going into the pit and my life will see the light. Friends, God sent us Jesus Christ. We didn't deserve it. And we had no idea how to get out of the mess we were in. It was impossible. It was going to take everything we had. But God sent us Jesus and said, here's what you do if you want to be saved. But you know, friends, this world likes to play bully tactics, doesn't it? Just like Ben-Hadad did with Ahab. They play their bully tactics and they outnumber us with their little driven agendas. And it makes it seem like we're outnumbered. And friends, I'll tell you, every time you try to appease the bullies, They'll just want to take more because they'll think, well, you flipped easy on that first round. We're going to hit you with another one. That's what's going on today. And the homosexual movement, abortion, a lot of terrible things out there that, friends, that God's word says is sin. I'm not talking party lines and political correctness. I'm talking about God's word. I know I just woke you up with that one, but they do seem to outnumber us. It's everywhere. They're putting it in front of us in our TV sets and everything. We feel outnumbered. And remember how the Syrians thought they had the upper hand if they fought Israel here rather than over there. Oh, we're going to win if we play it like this. 
And friends, the bullies that we have today pushing the sin out there in the world, they figure if they outnumber us and if they can beat us in these arenas where we're not real strong, they think they've got us. But friends, I want you to know that the bullies who push us around, they have no special territory where they get the upper hand at all. Psalm 24 verse 1 says, The earth is the Lord's and all its fullness, the world and those who dwell therein. Friends, what this means is the world belongs to the Lord and everything in it. Nothing has any favor over us except what God lets have favor over us. God is in control everywhere. Our enemies have no more power over us on the plains than they do on the hills. There is not one square inch of this world where the Lord God is not almighty. Jeremiah 32, 27 says, Behold, which means look, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? Friends, Ahab was in a seemingly impossible situation. It was impossible for him. But the Lord knew how to get him out of it. The Lord knows how to do it all. and There's nothing too hard for him. But he would get him out if only Ahab would listen to him. I know that you are facing a seemingly impossible situation. It's been gnawing at you for a long time. You haven't figured a way out of it yet. You're thinking, this is it. It's over. I'm done. I I can't beat this thing. You don't know what to do about it. But my advice is listen to God's direction. Well, God's not talking to me. He gave you a whole Bible to read. Get in it. (laughs) Get busy. Start reading that thing. It's worth reading. It's good. It's God's word for you. James 1.22, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Okay, friends, there's a lot of people that they don't, first of all, they don't even listen to God's word and therefore lack of knowledge, they're going to perish that they don't have the, they don't know what to be doing. But when you hear God's word, you need to be doing what it actually says. When God's word says for you to do something, you should do it. Don't just say, well, that was good for Sunday. Now on with my week. No, you need to do what God's word says. If you don't, you're deceived. You're, you're tricked. Ahab listened to God's word that was sent from the prophet and he obeyed and he won against the impossible looking Syrians. Okay. But, (laughs) and Kristen, here's where you need to really listen to me here. This is good. But right after he won, he immediately made a treaty with the big money bag carrying Ben Hadad. He, He saw a lot of gain in that and he made a treaty with him. Friends, he was supposed to get rid of Ben Hadad. You don't make treaties with the things that God says to get rid of. You don't make friends. You don't make alliances with wicked people and wicked movements and wicked agendas that God says have no part of it. You don't do that. When God says, stay away from that or get that out of your life, you get it out. You don't look for a reason to keep it. There's a lot of things you know you need to repent of. And if you're justifying ways for yourself, well, I really should keep that because, you know, it really could do me some good. Nuh-uh, stop that. If you can't find a way to make that, man, I'm going to tell you, if you can't find a way to glorify God with that computer, if you're misusing that computer of yours, and you know what I mean, pornography, whatever, you get rid of it. Oh, really? You kidding, Ray? I can't get rid of my computer. Well, I guess you better repent then and use it for the Lord God instead of using it for sin. And so this is the problem I find in a lot of people today. 
They will call me up and ask him for help with the struggles in their life. And I will give them God's word on what God's word says about it. And they obey it maybe once, but then they turn and they throw themselves right back into the enemy's lap all over again. They use God's word one time, and then they throw themselves back into sin, and then they wonder, oh, well, how come it's not working? Well, you threw yourself back into sin. Stop it. You follow through. Ahab didn't do that. He followed up to a point, but then he did not follow through with the rest of what God had said. I want you to look at 2 Peter 2.20. For if, after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and overcome, the latter end is worse for them than the beginning. Friends, this was Ahab's problem. God gave him the way to victory, but then right after that, Ahab got entangled again with his enemy and he was overcome. Now, I know you're not seeing him being overcome just yet in the chapter, but he is going to be. Because remember, the prophet came and said, you're done. And he went away displeased. He heard that bad news was coming. He should have followed through. Ahab made an alliance with an enemy he was supposed to eliminate from the land. And he did not follow through with what he was supposed to do. Likewise, friends, God has given us victory through Jesus Christ. But I've seen people declare Jesus is Lord. Okay, there I said it. Poof, I'm good, right? But then right after that, they go and they join forces with the very sin that they were supposed to repent of and get out of their lives. Why would you do such a thing? Give your life to Jesus and thank you for the victory and then go jump right back in bed with sin again. That's the problem I see in a lot of people today. These are the people, they say Jesus is Lord, but they don't follow through with what they're supposed to be doing. Don't just hear the word of the Lord and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. You remember how Ben-Hadad convinced Ahab that their alliance would make good business. Dude, we're going to set up marketplaces like me and my dad used to do. It's going to be great. We're going to make lots of money. Friends, never, ever make a treaty with sin. Never join forces and get into alliances with wicked people that what you know they're doing is wrong. Don't join that. Even if they try to convince you, and even if sin tries to convince you, what a good business move it will be for you. Oh, but this is going to make you so much money. Oh, and guess what? When you make all that big money, you could tie the sum of that to your church. Oh, do you hear the little snake in the grass talk here? Friends, don't do that. Don't fall for it. Don't stop at some point up to a point like Ahab did. Follow through with your obedience. If God says, get this out of your life, get that out of your life, eliminate this, eliminate that, you do it. You don't stop just short and go, uh, but you know what? That could really do me a lot of good. Don't do that. Follow through. You need to have obedience and appreciation for the victory that Jesus has given you. Now, I want you to remember how the prophet had said to Ahab, he said, your life shall be for his life, or else you shall pay with a talent of silver. Friends, a talent of silver is about 75 pounds. That means it's very, very high cost. It's a very expensive price to it. And many times in the Bible, a talent of silver was equated with the value of a man's life. Friends, I want you to know that Jesus Christ, he gave his life for our life. He gave his life for you. 
He died on the cross and was condemned so that you don't have to be condemned for all eternity because that's how long it would have taken for you to pay for your own sin death penalty. You'd have never gotten done paying it off. It's so expensive, you would never pay it. In the Bible, a talent of silver was regarded as being the price for buying somebody's life back. Just like the prophet said, your life for his or pay a a talent of silver. If any of you remember my study about the construction of the tabernacle, you might remember that the individual wooden boards that made the wall of the tabernacle, they came down and they were fitted together to be joined as a wall by what was called sockets that would go into a little slot in a socket and it would join two boards together. Well, these sockets were the foundation. They were the base that held the whole thing together. It was the base of the tabernacle. And I want to show you something about these silver sockets. And from the hundred talents of silver were cast the sockets of the sanctuary and the bases of the veil. One hundred sockets from the one hundred talents, one talent for each socket. So friends, each socket of the tabernacle was made of a talent of silver, about 75 pounds of silver. These sockets, think of this, they held the dwelling place of the Lord together. They sat on a silver foundation. They held it together, and it was also the foundation of the dwelling place of the Lord. And friends, that represented the expensive price that it cost to buy us back. Think of it. The place of worship, which was the tabernacle, the place of worship was founded upon silver. God's word says that his words, his truth is like silver that is refined seven times over. It is absolutely pure. Friends, our praise and our worship to God should be founded upon the fact that we have been redeemed and bought back. And it is also founded upon the truth of God's pure word. And you can see that in the silver sockets. One talent per socket. A talent means the buying back of your life from sin. So yes, the gospel of Jesus is even written within the pages of 1 Kings 20. Now, I just pray that just knowing what Jesus went through to buy you back for himself, how expensive it was, that maybe that will cause you to step outside of your own box so that you can look back at yourself and see your own guilt and also what it costs to buy you out of your sin and that it will give you a sense of thankfulness. It will drive you to cut sin out of your life and eliminate it from your life and never make treaties with your sin ever again. Let's pray. Father God, I have sinned and I'm sorry. Forgive me. Thank you for buying me back. Thank you for sending your son to me when I didn't deserve it, just like the prophet that went out to Ahab. And Lord, I didn't know how to get myself out of the mess, but you gave me the way. You told me. You showed me who. And it was Jesus Christ. And you showed me how by giving my life to him. Thank you, Lord, for those instructions that I can get out of this mess I made. It was my own fault that I did it. Lord, I don't deserve you to come to me. Thank you that you came to me anyway. We thank you for all these things. In Jesus' name. Amen. You just saw this gospel story unfold in 1 Kings 20. What are you going to do with it? you going to obey it? If so, I pray that you follow through. You are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you. 
you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen of Calvary Chapel Pearland. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set